0: Star Wars. One of the most beloved movie franchises in the history of ever. I know for me it was one of my first loves. Uh, I remember as a kid I used to go out into the backyard and I would find sticks and the straighter the better and I would spray paint those sticks to replicate a lightsaber, uh, and then I would go in the backyard, and I would pretend that I was a, a Jedi or a, a Sith. If you do not know what a lightsaber is, uh, then I am sorry, but I—you're going to learn today because I have a replica one with me today, um, and so I'm going to show you what it looks like. All right, Power right? This thing is awesome. This, what kid wouldn't want to have this? Are you serious? If you had, if there's another person who has one of these, you can fight them, you know? You can block blaster bolts with this thing, you know? Right, you can cut through stuff because that's what lightsabers do, right? You can, it's pretty awesome, right? You know, I was, uh, I'm not gonna lie, I did use this in my backyard the last couple nights. I've been like, you know, just, looking like a crazy person. I got to put this down though, because otherwise I'm going to get distracted the, the entire time and we won't get anything done. So anyways, that's a lightsaber, right? Really dope. Okay. Really cool. This clip that we just started with is actually the opening scene for the movie A New Hope. It's another Star Wars movie, but that is not the movie we're talking about today. The movie we're talking about today is Rogue One. And Rogue One is what happens directly before A New Hope. Rogue One sets up A New Hope. Uh, It transitions very seamlessly. Our story for Rogue One, which is what we're talking about today, is... Uh, opens up with a prisoner in a prisoner transport vehicle where our main character, Jin Erso, is a prisoner. And all of a sudden, she is rescued by a group of rebels, and the rebels are the good guys. But the problem is she didn't want to be rescued, at least not by the rebels, because she wasn't a rebel. And just watch this clip. Halleck! We got a Halleck! You wanna get out of here? Hey! Move at me! Congratulations. You are being rescued. Please do not resist. Congratulations, you're being rescued. Please don't resist. When I saw this, this scene, by the way, it takes place before Jin becomes a rebel. But by the end of the movie, Jin would be one of the most important rebels to have ever lived. Now, I found the story a very strong comparison between Jin Erso and Paul from the Bible. And specifically, I found this rescue scene very similar to Paul's conversion on the way to Damascus. For those of you who do not know, uh, Paul, also known as Saul, was known as a Christian killer. Before he became a Christian, he persecuted Christians, and that was what he was known for. Fun fact, uh, while I was prepping this message and, and, you know, practicing and looking stuff up on it, uh, I learned something because that's just, you know, how this works. When you read the Bible, you learn stuff. Uh, I learned that Paul's name was never changed from Saul to Paul. Uh, He had two names. Uh, I always thought that Saul was the bad guy and Paul was the good guy, like he had like a split personality or something. But truthfully, he had two names. Uh, Saul was his Hebrew name and Paul was his Roman name, and he went by both of those names both before and after he became a Christian. Anyway, so the story of Paul's conversion is very similar to Jin's rescue in Rogue One because both were very abrupt and unpleasant. Uh, Congratulations, you're being rescued. Listen to what happened to Paul in Acts chapter 9 verses 3 through 8 as he was approaching Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly shone down on him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked, and the voice replied, I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Now get up, go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood there speechless, for they had heard the voice of someone, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, and when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So they led him by hand to Damascus. Shortly after this, Saul would regain his sight and then become a Christian. And from that moment on, and for the rest of his life, he would preach Jesus to everyone he could. Now, the similarities between Jin and Paul are pretty crazy. Both Jin and Paul learn crucial information that can change everything, and that information is hope. And both decide to go somewhere that they didn't have to, but they chose to anyway, even though it would likely end with their deaths. We're getting ahead of ourselves, and I don't want to spoil anything just yet. So, Going back just a bit, Jin and a few others learn about a massive superweapon that the empire is building, the empire being the bad guys, uh, that the empire is building to destroy planets that resist them. And so obviously bad guys, emperor, empire, you know, good guys, rebels. The problem is she needs proof of this. You can't just go on hearsay. So she has to find proof of this massive super weapon. So she goes on a mission to get this proof for the rebels so that they can fight back against the empire. And I thought that that sounded an awful lot like Paul on his journey from uh, Capernaum to Rome. And you're probably like, what? are you talking about? How does a massive galactic empire that makes planet-destroying weapons, how is that all at all similar to Paul being arrested for preaching Jesus and going to Rome? Well, galactic empire, Roman empire, kind of similar. It's not an exact analogy. Just bear with me because I promise you by the end you will understand there are a lot of similarities here. So, before... Paul made it to Rome, and he, before he started this trip to Rome, he was arrested. And he was arrested because he was causing an uproar. Uh, what really was happening was that Paul was preaching about Jesus to a crowd, and there was a lot of people in the crowd who did not like what he was saying. And so they began to cause an uproar, and they were starting to riot. And the Roman guards that were in the area obviously saw this riot beginning to take place, and they were more of the police force to try to, you know, calm down, and so they went directly for the person at the center, which was Paul. He was obviously the center of the, you know, the riot, so they grab Paul, they arrest him, and they drag him away to question him on what was happening, and there ends up being uh, a very long process, long drawn-out process, where he is in captivity for about two years, uh, and and he's you know, claiming his innocence, but they won't let him go. So, finally, he, uh, he says, I appeal to Caesar. What that means is he's appealing to Caesar's tribunal or his, Caesar's judges, which is in Rome. He's not in Rome at the time. He's in uh, uh, Capernaum. Uh, so, he, uh, he says, I appeal to Caesar. And uh, Caesar at the time the emperor at the time, is Nero, Emperor Nero. Uh, and he was able to do this. He was able to say, I appeal to Caesar because he was a Roman citizen. And Roman citizens had specific rights. If you were born a Roman citizen, you had, you had very special rights. Uh, think of it more like in America, we have constitutional rights. Uh, he had a constitutional right that if he felt like he was being misfit, uh, unfairly mistreated or or judged unfairly, he was able to appeal to a court in Rome to get a, a more fair trial. So he appeals to Emperor Nero and thus begins a very long journey from Capernaum to Rome. And I'm, in fact, I've actually got, or Caesarea, sorry, not Capernaum, I keep saying Capernaum, Caesarea to Rome. And I've got a map to help you understand exactly how far he had to go. And uh, isn't this one of the most clean maps that you've ever seen on such a big screen? You always see them and they're like really garbage looking, but you're welcome for that. So anyway, uh, Paul had a pretty good idea that no matter where he went, Uh, It didn't matter if he ended up staying there and being tried in Jerusalem or if he went to Rome. He had a pretty good idea that he wasn't going to be acquitted no matter where he went. Because on the one hand, you've got Emperor Nero, and he was not a fan of Christians by any stretch. Um, It hadn't happened yet at the time that we're talking about, but there is a story that uh, Emperor Nero captured a bunch of Christians. And then set them on fire in his garden which then caused the garden to be set on fire which then caused other things to be set on fire and eventually most of rome was burned and badly damaged in what was what's now known as the great fire nero then blamed the christians for starting the fire which the christians responded by saying we didn't start the fire It was always burning since the world's been turning. Sorry, that was a stupid joke. Uh, If you're not a Billy Joel fan, then right over your head. But anyways, moving on. Chances were were very slim that Paul ends up making it uh, and being acquitted in the imperial hub of Rome. So, Paul also knew that if he went to Jerusalem, he's got even less likely of a chance of survival because of the corruption from the religious Jews. Uh, If you need evidence of this, see Jesus, the most perfect person ever, never sinned, ever still convicted and crucified because of the religious Jews. So one super important factor that I've yet to mention is that Paul wasn't afraid to die. Uh, He didn't make this decision based off of which one he thought would maybe make him survive a little bit longer. Um, He had an intention to go to Rome for a long time, and this was now the time that he was going to Rome. So, he wasn't afraid to die, and the reason we know he wasn't afraid to die is because he said it several times, one of those being in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 31. He says, I face death every day. He knew what the risks were for being a a proclaimer of the good news, a proclaimer of Jesus. But he wasn't afraid of death because of his belief in Jesus. In Acts chapter 20, verse 24, he said, I don't care about my own life. The most important thing is that I finish my work. I want to finish the work that the Lord Jesus gave me to do. To tell people about the good news of God's grace. At this point in his life, Paul had survived several attempts on his life. But it didn't matter because he knew his mission. He had hope and he wanted everyone to know about that hope. So he chose to go to Rome, fully intending to tell everyone that would listen. And that he could along the way about his hope. Today, you and I have been given the same mission that Paul was given, to tell people about our hope, to tell people about our faith in Jesus. We were given this mission when Jesus said, go and make followers of all people. The problem is, many of us, myself included, uh, have developed a a a lax or a lackadaisical. I always want to say lackadaisical. Apparently, you spell it lackadaisical. There's your fun word for the day. Lackadaisical mentality when it comes to sharing our faith with others. Uh, We don't really do this with any other good news, though, right? Because the gospel is the good news. Jesus and the and our faith in Jesus is good news. We don't keep good news from people like ever, right? If you, uh, if you get a raise at work, you're going to tell somebody. If you lose 15 pounds, you're going to tell somebody. If you do a home renovation or you are remodeling your house, you're going to tell somebody, and you're probably going to show them even if they don't want to know about it. So you tell people about good news, but the good news of Jesus Christ that can radically change someone's life. Mm, I don't want I, I to bother anybody. You know, like I mean, we could do it a little bit later. You know, there, there'll be other times, right? And I'm not trying to say this to make us feel bad because I just got done telling you I'm I'm also guilty of doing this. I, I'm I'm bringing it up because I want us to know and understand the importance of it, of sharing our hope. There is a scene in Rogue One, where all of the rebels meet together because they are spread out hiding from the empire, because the empire are the bad guys, and there's a lot less of the good guys than there are of the bad guys. So they're spread out everywhere, but they come together in this one spot, in this one scene, and they're trying to figure out what do they do with this supposed news of a massive superweapon because they don't know if it's real and and things start to go sideways. Uh, There are discussions to disband the rebellion. Some people don't want to have anything to do with it because they're like, if the empire has this power, then we can't, what are are we going to do? If they find out, we're dead. So some people want to disband. Some want to run. Some want to hide. Others want to fight until, and things are going sideways, right? Things are all falling apart until Jin speaks up. It is simple. The Empire has the means of mass destruction. The rebellion does not. A Death Star? This is nonsense. What reason would my father have to lie? What benefit would it bring him? To lure our forces into a final battle to destroy us once and for all. Risk everything. Based on what? The testimony of a criminal. The dying words of her father, an imperial scientist. But don't forget the imperial pilot. My father gave his life so that we may have a chance to defeat this. So you've told us. If the empire has this kind of power, what chance do we have? What chance do we have? The question is what choice? Run, hide, plead for mercy, scatter your forces. You give way to an enemy this evil with this much power, and you condemn the galaxy to an eternity of submission. The time to fight is now. Yes. After this scene, Jin would go on a mission to get the proof for the rebellion so that they would have a fighting chance against the empire. And here is where we come full circle. Both Jin and Paul learn crucial information that can change everything, and that is hope. And both decide to go somewhere that they didn't have to but they chose to anyway, even though it would likely end with their death. And both did it for the sake of hope. Here's where we can draw even more parallels. In the movie, Jin had to make several stops on different planets before ultimately making it to Scarif. Uh, Scarif was where all of the, the imperial plans were for all of their stuff. Uh, it was a very, it was essentially an imperial hub planet. On the other hand, Paul also had to make a several stops along his way before he made it to the imperial hub of Rome. Four stops from where she was until Scarif, nine stops until Rome. Both had several close calls along the way where they could have died, but they didn't. And both made it to their destinations. Unfortunately, That's also where both stories would come to an end. Jin was able to get the proof of the superweapon and the schematics to the rebels, but died shortly after. Paul made it to Rome, but not much is known of what happened after that. Some believe that he was acquitted of his crimes. He was found innocent, but then later, tried and convicted of something else and then put to death. Some believe that he died while in captivity in the, in the great fire that Nero started. But the truth is, we don't know. Uh, the only thing we know is his last writing. And in his last writing, it was Second Timothy. It was a second letter to Timothy. And toward the end of that second letter to Timothy, this is what he said. The time has come for me to leave this life. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've served the Lord faithfully. Now a prize is waiting for me, a crown that will show I'm right with God. Jen and Paul made it their mission to get hope to the good guys. This last clip that I'm going to show is the final scene of Rogue One and it sets up a seamless transition from the end of Rogue One to the beginning of A New Hope, the the clip that we started with. Just watch. Your Highness, the transmission we received, what is it they've sent us? Hope. In case you haven't figured it out yet, The main point of today's message is that you have hope to share with the good guys and the bad guys. And I know that that can sound a little difficult, overwhelming to hear, but it matters and it's important because that hope can radically change someone's life. It doesn't matter who they are that hope can radically change their life. Politics would have us believe that who you vote for, they're the good guys. And the other side, they're the bad guys. Everything is, is so incredibly uh, just divisive and polarizing that they will try to make it seem like your side are the smart ones, And the other side, they are all unintelligent and less than humans. But that is not what we as Christians are called to think or believe. We as Christians are called to be followers of Jesus first and everything else comes after that. We are called to love our neighbors regardless of who they vote for. Regardless of what they believe, we are called to tell them about Jesus and tell them about our hope. This is so important. I believe that this is so important that I'm going to leave you guys with a a challenge, but you're going to actually have to participate in this. First service, they kind of just sat there and I wanted to call them out for it, but it would have taken too much time. So anyways, I'm going to give you guys this challenge. And the reason I will know that if you participate in this challenge is because I will see you physically moving. Uh, The challenge is this in the seat back in front of you, or next to you, or behind you, there is a sheet of paper. There's several sheets of paper. You can pick one out, whatever one you want, and take a pen as well. And I would, I'm going to ask that you take a sheet of paper, or if you have one already, that's fine, uh, and you write down, if you don't have a pen, borrow it from your neighbor when, you know, when they're done. I want you to write down one person, the name of one person, that God could help you spread the hope of his son to this week. Just one person, just one singular person. And if you can't think of someone, uh, you can wait because we'll have a moment where we're going to pray. I find that it, it makes it more real to write it down, makes it more permanent, makes it feel more personal. If you write it down rather than if you were to try to simply remember it because I forget stuff all the time. So if you have something written down, you got something to look back on. So I recommend you write something down, you write the name of one person that you could help spread the hope of Jesus to this week. You got one day extra of prep work because you don't have work tomorrow, most of you anyways. So you got an extra day to jazz yourself up, get ready, you know, because sometime this week, you're going to be able to share the hope of Jesus to somebody. And then when we're about to pray... I want you to pray that God would open a door for you to actually do that, that God would give you an opportunity, present you with something that is just super clear that this is him allowing you to share your faith, to share your hope in Jesus with someone. And then when the moment comes, which is going to happen, tell him about Jesus. Tell him about the hope. Don't shy away. Tell him about Jesus invite them to church, invite them to experience what you've gotten to experience. Many of them haven't. And so give them a healthy way for them to experience Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, I pray for each and every person that's in this room right now. I pray for each of the names that people have on their phones or in their minds or on their papers. Uh, I pray that you would allow each person in here, an opportunity. You would open a door for them to, to tell someone about Jesus. That you would give them the opportunity to share the hope that you have given each of us. And I pray that they would receive that hope. I pray that you would empower us because often we can get in our own heads and, and try to talk ourselves out of doing stuff. But I pray that this message would resonate with each person in here so that they wouldn't just leave from here and go and celebrate the fireworks and forget about it for the rest of the week. But I pray that, that this message would, would sink in and that you would open a door for them to invite someone to experience you. And it's in your name we pray, amen.